Well, I want to welcome everybody to Crossroads, everybody in this room in the atrium and joining us online from all over. And we're in week six of this series, 40 Days of Prayer. And I'm going to talk about prayer today, but I'm also going to talk about what I believe is one of the most crippling forces to attack human beings in the world today. And that is worry. And I want to begin by just clarifying uh, who this message is for. And so I want you, I'm going to ask a diagnostic question, and I'm going to ask you, think about the major, major areas of your life, relationships, your work, your finances, school, your health. When you think of the major areas of your life, how many of you would admit by raising your hand, you have at least one problem in one of the major areas of your life? Raise your hand up real high. Wow, that's like, that's the majority, if not all the people that are here. Well, this message is for you then, and that's good news. And if you would, just for a moment, take like 10 seconds, pass on this if you want, but if you would, turn to the person next to you, tell them one significant worry in your life, and then tell them why your worry is bigger than their worry. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay, well, well, um, in your program this week, you have two papers. You have the message notes. You can pull those out. And also in the program, I have a card put in that says my worry list right here. And I hope you have a pen or a pencil ready because during this talk, we're going to talk about worry. And during this talk, periodically, you're going to think about things that you're worried about things that are bugging you, gnawing at you. Instead of letting that distract you, write it down on that worry list right here. And then I'll tell you what we're going to do. At the end of the service, we're going to collect all of those. Our ushers will collect them. And we're going to give all of our worries to God. They're going to dump them out on the stage. You don't put your name on it. And we did this last night. That's what these are here. We're going to do it after this service, after the next one. And we're going to take that worry list, all those things we wrote down, and we're going to give those to God. And we're not going to walk out of here with those worries. So when you think about those major areas of your life, money, you think about your family, you think about a relationship, your job, school, your height, your weight, your health, something about the future, something about the world that we live in, whatever it is that's bugging you, that you worry about, write it down on that list, we'll collect them all at the very end. Stan Tower wrote a book. Stan Tower wrote a book. It was called, God Has Never Failed Me, But He Sure Scared Me to Death a Few Times. And he tells about a guy, tells about a guy, walks up to a Little League baseball game. He says to one of the kids, what's the score? The kid says, we're losing, 18 to nothing. And the guy says, well, you don't look very worried about it. The kid says, worried? Why should we be worried? We haven't even come to bat yet. I read this week, 75 to 95% of all illness can be attributed to the pressure and stress of modern life today. Johns Hopkins University, they did a survey of 174 patients, and they labeled 140 of the 174 as worry patients. They said people that were filled with worry, they, they could point to 
the worry, the pressure, the stress, the anxiety. Put those people into a hospital bed. And there's actually a biological aspect to worry. I read this article in the New York Times. They said that there are people that have a, have a genetic predisposition to worry. There are certain pre people that are going to wrestle with worry more in their life than other people. And they've located the gene. They say people with the shorter version, they worry more than people that have the longer version. And I think we have the gene up on the screen, right up there, that's it. It's the SLC6A4 gene on chromosome 17Q12. You got the shorter version, you're gonna worry more in your life than people that have the longer version. I'm not making this up. You know what? I shouldn't have ever brought that up. So many, many of you are not worried. You got the short version. But you think about the power of worry. Worry can rob you of joy in your life. You cannot be a joyful person and be in the clutches of worry. Worry can cause us to obsess about ourselves. It can keep us con from connecting with other people, keep us from loving other people. Worry can keep you from taking risks in life. Going on the adventure, you always wanted to go on life. It could keep us from daring to live the life that God called us to. It can erode our faith in God. Eat away at our faith. Eat away at our trust in God. And I think the most damaging aspect of worry, worrying about what may happen in the future, it can keep us from living in this moment. Right now, that's what worry can do. And this moment, this moment right here, this is all we have. This is it. And sometimes worry keeps people from living in the moment day after day, month after month, year after year, because they're so anxious, so fearful about what may happen in the future. And you know who I really think wrestles with this? I think all of us do. All of us. I think of my own life. I think so much of my life is great. It is wonderful. Then I wake up in the night. And I have problems like everybody else. I worry about money. I worry about uh, work issues. I worry about relationships, family issues. I worry about health, emotional, relational issues, all those kinds of things, those problems. If you can relate to any of this, don't let it distract you. Write it down. Put it down right now on your worry list. Paul makes an extraordinary statement, the Apostle Paul. It's in Philippians 4. It's Philippians 4, verse 6. It's up on the screen on the message notes. Look at what he says. He says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. And you know what I think is remarkable about that? Paul, he doesn't say, he doesn't just say, don't worry about the small stuff. Don't worry about gaining five pounds. Don't worry about losing a power cord. Don't worry about getting a gray hair or something like that. Paul says, don't worry about anything, anything. Like you get fired, you go bankrupt, you face foreclosure, you get betrayed by a friend, you go through a divorce, you lose your health. Paul says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. And in case you're wondering, Paul didn't write that from some ivory tower somewhere. He was not sitting on a beach or next to a pool or on a cruise when he wrote those words. When Paul wrote those words in Philippians, he was sitting in a prison. He was in a dungeon in a prison in Rome when he wrote these words. 
He didn't know if he was going to survive one day to the next. He didn't know if he was going to live one day to the next. Didn't know if he was going to live or die. Paul knew about problems when he said this. He faced them himself when he said, don't worry about anything. How is such a life possible? I read that, I go, how is such a life possible in the real world, like for you and me? Paul goes on. He goes on in Philippians 4, 6. Look at what he says. Here's how it's possible. He says, instead, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank God for all he has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace. Underline, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. In that verse there, we find the cure for worry. The cure for worry, the prescription for peace is found in that verse right there. What is it? What is it? Pray about everything. That's it. That's a prescription. That's a cure for worry. Pray about everything. That's it. As I go through life, I can worry or I can pray. Those are my options. Those are your options. As you go through life, you can worry or you can pray. If we pray, we'll have a lot less to worry about. And then the logical question becomes this. The logical question becomes, well, what do we pray? What do you pray? How do you pray? I've got three suggestions I think Paul prayed. Three of them. And I think they fit for you and I. I think we can pray these. Here's the first one. You can write it down. First one is this. I accept the things I cannot change. That's the first one. Why don't you say that with me? I accept the things I cannot change. That's very difficult. Easy to say, very difficult to do. Very difficult to accept things we can't change. And there's a lot of things in your life, by the way, that you cannot change, that you did not choose. You didn't choose when you were born. You don't choose when you die. You don't choose what other people do to you. We have to learn in this life to accept things, accept things we can't change. Of course, of course you change the stuff you can change. But what about those things we can't change? How do you have peace when you're frustrated by things in your life that are unchangeable? How do you have peace? Worry doesn't work. That doesn't produce. That's not going to work. Worry's not going to give you peace. It's not. In Matthew 6, 27, 6, 27, I think Jesus was being funny. He's poking humor in right here when he says this. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Hey, all of you out there, who can add a single hour to your life by worrying? It's being funny. Worry doesn't produce. Worry never delivers anything positive or constructive. It never does. Never does. Give me a little feedback here. I mean, time out, a little feedback. Just tell me. Tell me. If you commit yourself to ferocious worry about something, I mean, does it work? Does it produce good stuff? If you commit yourself to worrying about something, I mean, can you change events? Can you change stuff? Really? Can you? If you're worried about being short, you want to be a little taller, you commit yourself to worrying about that, do you get a, can you bump yourself up an inch or two? I'm just asking. 
I'm just asking, what if you're worried about dying prematurely? You commit yourself to ferocious worry about dying prematurely. I mean, do you get a bonus year out of that? Bonus year or two? I'm just asking. I'm not trying to make trouble. I'm just asking. I don't think so. I don't think so. Worry can do a lot of psychological, physiological damage. Just doesn't, never produces anything constructive. And it's interesting, the word worry, the original word worry came from a German word, verden. That was the German word. Do you know what the original meaning of the word worry was? It meant this. It meant to choke, to constrict, to strangle. That's what worry does. That's what worry does. It chokes us. It strangles us. It does. You know, just for a moment, let's illustrate this, if you would. Turn to the person next to you. Turn to the person next to you. Look at him. Uh, take your hands. Gently put them on their throat. <laughs> choke them till they start turning red. That's what worry does. That's, okay, you can stop. Stop. Come on. <laughs> Knock it off. That's what worry does. It'll choke the life out of you. That's why Jesus said this. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Jesus came that we would have life. He said, I have come that you would have life. You'd have it to the fullest. And he knew the damage of worry, what worry can do. Worry is never God's will. It chokes us. It's never God's will for anybody in this life. And when I worry, my real enemy is not what may or may not occur. When I worry, when I commit myself to worrying, you know what the real enemy is? It's what it creates inside of me. The anxiety, the fear that chokes me from living the life that God called me to. Chokes out the excitement, the enthusiasm, the joy of being alive. That's what it does. The motivation for life. There's only one thing that works when we can't change something. One thing works when we can't change something. Acceptance. Acceptance. I accept the things I cannot change. I do. And by the way, everything that happens is not God's will. Let me be clear about that. I'm not saying that. Everything that happens is not God's will. That's why Jesus said to pray in the Lord's Prayer. He said those words in Matthew 6.10. He said, you should pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because on, in heaven, God's will is done perfectly. On earth, is God's will done perfectly? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Most of the things that happen on this earth are not God's will. They're not. God's will is not always done. That's why there's sin in the world. That's why people get hurt. That's why you have shootings in bars in California and other places. That's why there's shootings in synagogues. That's why there's shootings in schools, all of that. That's why there's racism and sexism and all these things. That's why there's poverty and justice in the world. God's will is not always done. Do you imagine if God's will were done perfectly on this earth? There'd be no more abuse. There'd be none of that. No more racism, any of those things. No neglect, no unloved, uncared for children if God's will were done perfectly here on earth. God's will was done perfectly on earth. People in families, they'd stay up late at night trying to think up ways to outserve one another. Children would insist the little brother gets the biggest piece of cake. 
You imagine if God's will were done perfectly on earth as it is in heaven? Paul understood this. So from a dungeon in prison, he writes Philippians. And look at what he says, Philippians 4, verse 11. He says this, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. The guy's in prison. I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. How many of us could say I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstance? My hand would not go up on that one. It would not. Paul's saying, I learned to be satisfied. I learned to be satisfied. I've learned to accept the things I cannot change. And he goes on in verse 12. Look at what he says. I've learned, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. This is the first step towards peace. It's to pray. First step to peace. The first cure for worry. Pray. Pray. What do we pray? God, I accept the things. I cannot change. I accept those things. You know, millions of people in the world, they pray the serenity prayer on a daily basis. I love the serenity prayer. Millions of people pray this daily. But do you know the serenity prayer? It's been shortened. It's been edited. Most people know the first three lines. There's eight more lines after the first three. The power is in the remaining eight lines. It's up. Can we put it up on the screen? The serenity prayer. It's in the message notes. Look at this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That's the famous part. Here's where the power comes. Living one day at a time. Enjoying one moment at a time. Accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Underline pathway to peace. Taking as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next, amen. Circle those words. We're gonna leave it up a moment. Circle the words accepting, trusting, and surrender. Circle those three words. Underline pathway to peace. Circle accepting, trusting, and surrender. And draw a line from those words, accepting, trusting, and surrender. Draw a line from each to pathway to peace. Those three things, those are the key to peace. That's the key to peace. Acceptance, accepting, trusting, and surrender. That's the key to peace. That's the pathway. And that's what I'm talking about, the first thing. First thing is the acceptance. First prayer I pray, God, I accept those things I cannot change. And that leads to the second prayer. Number two, it's the surrender one. God, I surrender to your control. That's number two. It's number two, I surrender to your control, God. And we don't like the word surrender, I know. Surrender sounds, sounds like we're raising the white flag. We're giving in. We're throwing in the towel. We're forfeiting the game. I lost, you won. We don't like, uh, surrender sounds too much like another word we don't like, submission. We don't like that word either. But those words, those are the key to peace. 
peace in our life. God, I surrender to your control. I, I don't just accept what I cannot change. God, I accept what you're gonna do in my life in this situation. I surrender to your control. Look at Psalm 37, verse seven. Psalmist writes, be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Surrender yourself to God and wait patiently for him. That's the key. That's the second key to peace. Surrender. Surrender to God. Look at Romans 8, 8 verse 6. 8, 6. The mind controlled by the sinful nature is death. The mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. How do we have life and peace? By being controlled by the spirit. The spirit of God. By surrendering our life to God. That's how we have life and peace. And we got to do this every day. We do. Every morning. Every morning. We wake up. We make a decision. Every day. Who's going to run my life today? Am I going to or is God going to? Every day I get up. Who's going to run my life? Me or God? Whose agenda am I going to follow today? It's going to be my agenda or it's going to be God's agenda. This is what we face every day. Who's calling the shots today? One day at a time, who's calling the shots today? Me or God. Every morning we make that decision. And sometimes you and I, we say, you know what? Today I know better, God. I know better. We say things like, you know, I know what God says. I know God says something in the Bible, you know. And I know it applies to my life. I'm going to ignore it today. I'm going to go my own way because you know what, God? I think I know what's best for my life right in this situation. I'm going to ignore what you have to say. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to call my shots. We all deal with this. We all do. Want to have peace, though? If we want to have peace in our life, we want to experience life in all its fullness, the key is Job 22, verse 21. Tells us how to do it. Submit to God. That's what it says. Submit to God, you'll have peace. Then things will go well for you. Submit to God every day. Surrender your life to God every day. You'll have peace. Things will go well for you. God says, I want to bring peace into your life. I want you to live life in all its fullness. I want you to have joy, motivation, excitement. I want you to believe you can begin again in your life. I want to bring you that peace. But you got to surrender your life to me. You got to surrender your life to me because I'm God. Remember? I'm God. You're not. You're not. What's, what, is one of the, what are some of the barriers that keep people from doing this? Surrendering their life to God. I thought about it this week. I thought one of the greatest barriers to people completely surrendering their life to God, I think it's resentment is one. Resentment. And hear me out on this. Resentment against God. We, we may not want to admit this, but there's things in our life we blame God for. I think we all do this. We blame God for some disappointment. We're upset with God about something. Life hasn't turned out the way we think we, it should. So we blame God. We blame God. Blame God for our unhappiness. And let me, let me get real practical. Let me take the gloves off for a moment here. You know, I only have a few weeks left. I can do this. I'm going to take the gloves off. What in your life are you mad at God about? Think about what in your life are you maybe angry with God about? Maybe you never thought about it that way. Can a person be a follower of Jesus, be angry with God? Uh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. 
Some of you are angry with God just even about the way you look. You don't like your appearance. You go, God, why didn't you make me beautiful? Why didn't you make me look like so-and-so? If I looked like so-and-so, then I'd be happy in my life. Then my life would be great. Maybe you're mad at God about the way you look. or Maybe you're mad at God about, you know, the family you were born into, your parents. You go, God, my mom, my dad, they're goofy. They're loony. Some of you are disappointed in your marriage. You got married. It's not turned out to be anything that you thought it would be. Yeah? Some of you are resentful with God about a business. You started a business. You prayed about it. Business failed. Maybe you filed bankruptcy. Maybe you ended up getting foreclosed on. Maybe your marriage ended. Maybe you're not married and you want to be married. It's never happened. Maybe you lost a loved one. What are you still angry at God about? Those kinds of things, those kinds of things, unless we admit them, they could keep us in turmoil. They can keep us from experience the love and peace that God wants to pour in into our life, into your life. Maybe it's an unfulfilled dream. You're mad at God about, still blaming God. If that's you in any of these situations and others, I'd say relax, breathe, and pray. Pray, God, I accept the things I can't change in my life. I accept those things that I can't change. And God... I surrender to your control. I surrender to what you're going to do now in this situation. And here's the third one. This is the trust, the trust word of the serenity prayer. I trust in God's care. I trust in God's love and care for me. I trust God's going to provide for me. I trust God's going to take care of me. I trust God's never going to leave me, never going to forsake me. Look at Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. I will keep in perfect peace. That's a great verse to memorize. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. On you. It is interesting. Interesting because I think there's a real common illusion today. You know what the illusion is? The illusion is this. The illusion is, the reason I worry is because I have problems in my life. If I didn't have these problems in my life, if they would go away, then I wouldn't be worrying. The reason I worry, I got these problems. If I didn't have the problems, I wouldn't be worrying. That's an illusion. It's an illusion. The good news is your problems are going to go away one day. They will go away one day. The bad news is the day they're going to go away. You know the day your problems are all going to go away? The day you die. That's the day the problems will go away. I mean, death, death just has a way of all those problems. They just don't bother you anymore. You know, when you die, death has a way of doing that. But in this life, this life, we're never going to, it's never going to be problem free in this life. Never is. We're always going to face problems. Jesus said, in this life, you'll have troubles. You'll have tribulation. It's the IAS principle. It's always something in this life. It's not one thing. It's going to be another. We got to learn to have peace in spite of problems. We got to learn to be at peace in spite of conflict. If you only have peace in your life, when you're on a cruise, you're at Disneyland, you're sitting by a pool somewhere, you're going to have very little peace in your life. 
very little. We got to learn to trust in God's care, even in the problems. We got to trust that God's at work. God's at work. That's how Paul's sitting in a prison, in a dungeon in a prison. He could write to people on the outside. He could say to them, don't worry about anything. He could say that because, you know why? He's convinced. He's convinced he's not alone. Even in the prison, he's convinced God is with him. God is with him right there. And Paul's saying, what matters most, what matters most to you, to me, what matters most to him, is to live in the love and care of God and to know that God's never going to leave us. Paul knows nothing can threaten that. Nothing can threaten the love and care of God in his life, in your life, or in my life. In fact, in Romans 8, verse 35, Paul wrote this. He said, "What what can separate me from the love of God? And then he goes on to list stuff we, uh, we worry about, danger, poverty, violence, death itself. And then he says this, Romans 8, 37. He said, I'm convinced nothing can separate me from the love of God. I know God's with me all the time. I know God's with me all the time. My living in the love and the care of God, it's never at risk, never. God's gonna guide my life no matter what I go through in this world. God's going to continue to guide my life, and then I'm going to be eternally with God in the next life. That's what Paul says. He lives in that. And let me just say, God God cares for us so much. Every person here watching this, God loves and cares for you so much, no matter what you've been through in life, no matter what you're going through right now. God loves and cares for you so much. God reaches out to you. God's reaching out to you right now in the middle of the the storm, in the middle of the disappointment, the loss, the tragic circumstances, the heartaches of life. God reaches out to you and through his Holy Spirit, he puts his arms around you and he says to you these words right now. God brought you here today to say these words to you of Isaiah 41. Take courage. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. I am with you. So the idea is when worry comes into your mind, When worry comes into your mind, don't feel guilty about having worries. Don't beat yourself up because you got some worries coming into your mind. Don't think your faith is weak, anything like that. Worry comes into your mind, you replace it. You replace it and you say, God, I accept the things I can't change. God, I surrender my life to your control and I trust in your love and care. I trust that you're with me that you care for me, that you're never going to leave me, and you're going to provide for me. And so here's how we're going to close my time right here. I don't want us to end with these worries we've been writing down. I want us to let them go. I don't want anybody walking out of here today with these worries. So 1 Peter 5, 7, you know, it says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares for you. This is what we're going to do. And I think probably everybody came in here with some 
some burden, some heavy burden on your mind. Take that piece of paper, you name it. You write it down, whatever it is. Whatever it is, maybe a child, maybe a parent, a spouse, maybe it's money, maybe it's work, unemployment, your health. Maybe it's a loss. Maybe it's a court date that's coming up. Maybe it's what other people think of you. Maybe it's a failure. What is your worry? What's your concern today? What's gnawing at you? Write it down. Write it down on paper. And the band's going to come out. They're going to come out right now. And and our ushers are getting in place. And we're going to take a worry offering actually right now. Just like we did the earlier one. You might not have been excited about that earlier one. I hope you're excited about this one. And if you're new here, don't feel obligated to give right here. But if you'd like, I hope you would. I hope you'd give. I don't want anybody leaving with your worries. And what I want us to do is give our worries to God. Because God, God in fact loves it when we do this. And giving our worries to God in this way today, this is a a very practical thing that we should do every day. Every day, we name our worries and then we give them up to God, the God who loves and cares for us. And as you do, as you do, as you give it to God, we're saying, God, I'm not gonna walk out of here with these worries, I'm not. I'm giving all of these worries I have today, I'm giving them to you. I'm gonna lay them down to you. Ushers, why don't you come forward right now? I'm gonna pray as soon as I'm done praying, they're gonna pass the baskets. They'll collect, just throw it in. They're gonna dump them up here on on the stage and we're gonna give them to God. But let's pray together. God, thank you for promising your presence. Thank you for your love for each one of us. Thank you, God, that you never leave us or forsake us no matter what we go through in life. And God, thank you for taking our worries and our anxiety and our fear today. And God, I pray we would be different people from being here today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.